We are parents, we are doctors, we are first responders, teachers, and concerned citizens who have found ourselves at a crossroads. We see our freedoms being stripped away and we can no longer stay silent. We are millions strong, united in a thundering voice and imperative mission that cannot and will not be ignored. We are standing up for the basic human right to raise our own children, earn a living, and make our own medical decisions without the tyrannical overreach that has been forced upon us here in California, across the country, and around the world. We are here to amplify the voices, moving the needle, bringing forth truth, and provide education and resources with tangible tools and expert insights. We are The Unity Project, and this is our podcast. I am here in Santa Clarita again with another amazing guest, Joe Messina, who is a syndicated radio host. So this should be interesting and exciting. Um, I think you're probably going to be able to out-talk me, which is no, good. No, I'm not used to being in this seat, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and you're also a school board member, correct? Oh, yeah. Yep, yeah, 15 um, years. And uh, you're one of the few, I think, in the country, certainly in the state of California, that's actually... Um, doing what we need to have done and making sure that you're representing parental rights and the rights and, and what's best in the interest of children. Yeah. Correct? It, it, yeah. And, and I've been on there for uh, 13 years. This is my 14th year. I'm up for re-election in November. All right. And uh, there are some people at the station here that would tell you this is a true statement, but I went from being one of the most hated men in Santa Clarita Valley on the school board. Really? Um, to probably one of the most loved guys on the school board because... That COVID-19, to a degree, was a godsend for schools. Mm-hmm. Parents got to see what was being taught. I had been screaming about this for a decade. Mm-hmm. And then they got to see how the kids were being uh, um, um, treated. And then on top of that, we had to Zoom the school board meetings. Now, we never got more than... We have 22,000 kids, right. about 16,000 sets of parents. And if right. we got 10 people at a school board meeting, we were yeah. excited. Yeah. And now we had 800, 900 people watching us on Zoom. Sure. And for the first time, I had people coming up to me at gas stations and, and supermarkets saying, you know what, you're the only one sticking up for our kids, and I want to thank you for that. Right. I had one woman in the supermarket say, I hated you. <laughs> I hated you because of everything I heard about you, but you're the right. only one sticking up for our kids. Right, right. So well, it's a good thing. No doubt in the last almost three years, parents have had a, a window into the classroom in mm-hmm. a way that they've never had before. And parents are horrified by what they're seeing. And what's interesting to me is that um, I I think I personally started realizing something was going wrong um, in my children's school, even pre-COVID, obviously going through these these Zoom courses and and all these lockdowns escalated and and amplified my ability to understand what was going on. And so I guess my question to you is, how long has this been happening? Right? How long now, has now it been? You don't about this. this yeah. My second school board meeting is when it started. Mm-hmm. So a parent had uh, approached me in the hallway and she said, this book has a descriptive rape scene in it. It's required mm-hmm. reading for the, for the summer seniors. Mm-hmm. And she said, I'm appalled that nobody let us know. Mm-hmm. So uh, I saw it. It was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And so we put it on the agenda to speak about. Mm-hmm. At the next meeting, when we had it uh, on the agenda, well, the problem that we had was the teachers were for it. Mm-hmm. The parent curriculum council were for it. And mm-hmm. parents actually came up, teachers came up and said, you know, we've read it. Uh, it is, it's, it's age appropriate. Don't mm-hmm. see what the problem is. 
Um, I said, look, I've got two daughters. I've got one. If, if she had read it, she would have said, okay, it's just a story. It's just trying to get a point across. She would have been fine. Mm -hmm. I've got another one that would have locked herself in a closet for the rest of her life because mm -hmm. she would have been petrified. Mm -hmm. So I made a, the crazy suggestion that maybe we should send a parental notice home, mm -hmm. let them know what page was on and what it was and were they okay with their child reading this. Right. You would have mm -hmm. thought that I said we should be burning books in the middle of the street. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. And, uh, oh, yeah, of course. And then finally the last speaker was a teacher who came up and said, what you're saying is you don't trust us with your kids. That's exactly what we're saying. And I, Well, I said to her, I said, <laughs> really? What I'm saying to you is you don't know my child. I have my child, and I'm going to have my child long after you're gone, mm -hmm. long after he leaves this school or she leaves this school. And so I trust me and just me. That's right. That's right. You know, it was interesting. I have a, a friend who um, has a student, her child, that is a high school student in an AP literature class in Southern California. And their child came home from that AP literature class with a book that had graphic depictions of bestiality. So uh -huh. graphic depictions of sex with an animal. Um, and this was something that's going on in an AP literature class in, oh, yeah. in the junior year of high school. So uh, again, a couple of years after I started my show, I was mm -hmm. doing a story about... Uh, Bestiality was actually being taught in a New York, uh, one of, not New York City, mm -hmm. but one of the northern New York school mm -hmm. districts. Mm -hmm. And I just said, this is amazing. So they're teaching them about, you know, same-sex sex. Mm -hmm. They're teaching them about bestiality. They're teaching them about pleasuring themselves. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, may, I said, look, I never went home as a kid and thought that uh, Fido was looking pretty good. That, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously. <laughs> Let's hope not, right? This was not a thought in my head. Right. Why, do, why are we there? And look, mm -hmm. we've gone from teaching that right. or, or making sure that the, the superintendent's comment was, we want to make sure if they experiment, they experiment safely. And I'm thinking... Why would you encourage a child experimenting with an animal? Right. Right. But look at what we've come to now. Right. Well, we, we, we've got the, the drag queens. We've got the mm -hmm. kids doing pole dancing mm -hmm. uh, in, in these clubs. I love what DeSantis did where he said, look, you're not supposed to have a kid in the club, so we're pulling your license, That's period. right. That's right. And, and under normal circumstances, there are criminal laws, statutes that are on the books that if, a, if, if you're walking down the street with your child and a stranger approaches them and starts uh, speaking to them about sexual content, there's actual criminal statutes about pedophilia, mm -hmm. right? Oh, yeah. But yet when you do it under the guise of um, it's being introduced in an academic environment, and, and then of course it becomes as though something that should, it, it should be in that environment based on those standards, right? They're saying that the schools are saying, as long as it's being introduced in an academic environment, that that is what should happen. Makes it okay. And yeah. makes it okay, correct. But my question is, what's the pedagogical value of something like that? What are, what are, you, what are, you, what are we hoping to teach? Well, you know what we're hoping to do. We're hoping to desensitize in this kind of stuff. I know California's on track to mm -hmm. uh, turn pedophilia into a more of a, uh, a sexual orientation and not a disease of any kind. Right. Because it's perfectly normal for a 40-year-old man to want to have sex with a 9-year-old girl, obviously. right. right. And uh, th there's nothing stopping them. There's nothing that stops them in Sacramento mm -hmm. from doing these kind of things. But you, but look at that. We, we've lost the whole moral compass, whether you're religious Absolutely. or not. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm an outspoken mm -hmm. Christian. But even even my atheist friends think this is crazy, right. that the moral right. values, the, the decay that we've allowed right. to happen, and we've allowed that to happen. Mm -hmm. We as parents have never said anything for decades because sure. we want to live and let live, and we want, you know, people mm -hmm. should be allowed to do what they're going to do. Right. Um, but they had no intention of ever allowing us right. what we're going to do. Now, now when we speak up and say, 
you know, kids shouldn't be with drag queens. Kid, kids shouldn't be going to these bars. Right. They shouldn't be seeing or learning these kind of things. Well, then they say, well, we, why, why? Why not? You know, kids are able to understand this at three <laughs> and four and five years old. If they're able to decide their sex at three or four right. or five years old. They don't even know what colors go together at three or four right. or five I years old. I often wonder if the authors of legislature that's being presented around this this topic have ever met um, anyone under the age of, of 15. <laughs> I often wonder I think that. I think we have, uh, what's his name, Mark Wiener, um, here in California, Correct. right? Scott uh, yeah, he, the only legislation he ever passes that pushes a sexually oriented uh, mm-hmm. legislation. That's it. Sure. You know, we, we've got, you know, uh, what is it now, 30-year-old men can have sex with 12-year-old girls and not, not have a, a problem with that. Mm-hmm. At 12 years old, a child can come into a school, um, uh, who, who find out that she's pregnant, she can get an abortion, be right. brought back to school sent home and her parents right. have no idea she can bleed out in the middle of the night and nobody would know why. That's right, because they can have their records sealed. And that brings us to uh, COVID, right? And mm-hmm. SB uh, 866, which as you know, and we've talked about this, is a bill that will, it's been amended origin, in its original format. It was uh, stated that children as young as 12 could make their own medical decisions as it relates to um, engaging in getting their own vaccines. Mm-hmm. And now they amended it to 15, but... Um, because you know, every 15-year-old you know, right? Right, has got the wisdom and can, sure. can make these kind of decisions sure. without a problem. Well, I mean, the reality <laughs> is that um, no one, not even adults, can make their own informed decisions as it relates to the COVID-19 vaccine mm-hmm. because nobody is operating under informed consent in this country. And so um, I think it's incredible that they're now authoring bills that would allow children to um, circumvent their parents' wishes and engage in their own medical decisions. So um, since you have a lot of experience, obviously, on, at, on the school boards, how, how does that impact the academic environment? What are you seeing um, as it relates to COVID and a lot of these crazy bills that are happening and the push to vaccinate children, um, the funding that, that that's coming from the state to oh, these yeah. schools? Big money. Mm-hmm. You know, when I first got on the board, that incident I told you about was one time in five years. Mm-hmm. So we weren't having issues of these these social justice issues, if you would. We were dealing with, you know, academics. And one of my big big pushes was for homeschooling through mm-hmm. the heart district, so that mm-hmm. kids who are maybe they had to help the family out. Maybe right. a young lady got pregnant early. Maybe yeah. you know any of those things that come up in life, mm-hmm. they could do homeschooling and come back to school again. Sure. So that was like the big thing for a while. Mm-hmm. And we never thought about any of this other stuff. Uh, then we started having things like Planned Parenthood trying to get on campus mm-hmm. uh, under the guise of taking over our, our medical services so that we wouldn't have to spend that kind of money. And thank God I had the right people on the board with me to keep them off of campus. Mm-hmm. We have a great pregnancy center here in town, okay. uh, and they do great work there too. Now you, you step in and you see these things start to happen. We spend 70% of our time now talking about equity, inclusion, diversity, mm-hmm. uh, you know, COVID masks, mm-hmm. do we protect the teachers? Are we protecting the kids properly? Are we, mm-hmm. This is what we spend our time talking about. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a real black and white person. And I just sit there and say, there's no proof on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, I, if any of them are listening to this, they'll get mad at me, but I'll say it anyway. They gave me holy heck for not getting um, inoculated or getting shot. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't do it. Right. And they uh, they all got it. They actually did a big uh, PR thing where they all sat in a room and they got shot and there were pictures taken in the whole nine yards, right? We're protecting everybody. Mm-hmm. So all 10 of them up there, yeah, all 10 of us, nine of them have had COVID. I haven't. Right. Right. 
five of them have had COVID twice, mm-hmm. and two of them have had COVID three sure, times. Well. We, I say it on every single podcast. I say it in every time, every speech that I give. We know, and it's not just a Unity Project made up fact. This is actually by the, the own volition of the CDC director yep. and Dr. Fauci. If you're vaccinated, you can still acquire and transmit the virus. Yep. We know that. That is a known well, fact. Well, we know it now. I mean, when they yes. first started this whole thing, it was, yeah. oh, no, no, keep you from getting it. You right. Want to, you know, the whole nine yards. Right, right. So I'd like, to, I'd like to see somebody put numbers together as to people who were vaxxed and boosted how many percentage-wise got COVID mm-hmm. and how many people who weren't vaxxed that got COVID percentage-wise? Well, we, we're seeing those come out now. So yeah. there's uh, many studies. I think there was an Israeli study and a UK study that came out recently that says that um, between 94 and 98% of mortality in um, COVID in current date is mm-hmm. with fully vaccinated oh, individuals. Yeah. No question. Um, and so interestingly enough, I was actually talking on another podcast about the fact that they're cha- now changing the definition of fully vaccinated. Mm-hmm. It's this kind of sliding sliding scale because um, if, if they go based on the, the standards, of, of the current standards of what fully vaccinated means, um, the, it, it, it is shocking and staggering the amount of mortality and morbidity rates mm-hmm. that we're seeing in fully vaccinated individuals. So now what they're making it seem like is you're not fully vaccinated. There's a window of time after you get your, your booster, and I believe it's a two-week window before you're considered to be fully vaccinated. So that, that way, they're essentially um, making it so that people, these reports that are coming out and scientific studies that are being done, it, it's a way to essentially um, fuzzy the numbers, if you will. In the school board level, one of the things that really bothers me is these kids are being told, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the teachers union is pushing hard, statewide pushing hard mm-hmm. to have the mask mandates, to have all these things going down, make sure everybody's mm-hmm. vaccinated. Um, and you've got these kids that don't want to. I've had parents mm-hmm. that call me, uh, their daughter's in tears because the teacher's been browbeating her, telling her, mm-hmm. You know, you've got friends here that you could pass it on to. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go home, you could pass it on to your parents. You really want to kill your mom? Do you really want to kill your dad? And, and I'm not abuse. saying all teachers are doing that. So right. let me not paint with that broad brush. But the pressure, the peer pressure, mm-hmm. the the pressure from the teachers, these are people that they love and they're with every day. Sure. And telling them, that, you know, the problems they're going to have. When they lifted the mask mandate, and I'm, I'm going around the campuses, about 80% of the kids still had masks on. Sure. And if you ask them, why are you still wearing that? Honestly, they'd just go, I don't know, I'm just used to it. Mm-hmm. Well, and of course, I mean, you're talking about a segment of the population that is a developing segment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a segment of the population that is easily influenced. Yep. And uh, the amount of peer pressure in that segment is of the population is, uh, of course, a factor and now you're going to overlay it with saying that they, they have to be vaccinated or they're going to be ostracized. And they're not only going to be ostracized from their teachers and from the mm. administration, but heavily ostracized from their peer yeah. group. And the government is going to help give them tools to do that. I mean, yeah. I think it's, let me look at the bills here because we have them in front of us. Um, <laughs> I just want to make sure that I'm quoting the right bills. It's um, SB 1479 that states that schools would be required to create a long-term COVID testing plan and report the results to the California Department of Health or Public Health System, excuse me. And um, of course, these are children that are not vaccinated. So you and I both know that they're not going to bring these kids in in a very quiet, um, concealed way and test them. Everyone's going to know at the school who the unvaccinated children are because those are the kids that are gonna be lined up and required to be tested. 
we have uh, what we've gone to, and this is where the board can have a real impact on what goes down. Mm -hmm. So the board has decided that we would do Mm self-reporting, everybody. So now the teachers, you don't have to bring something in. You don't have to bring in a piece of paper. Uh, There's a form you click off every morning that Mm -hmm. says, no, I don't have a temperature. No, I don't have a this. And yes, I've been Mm -hmm. vaccinated or whatever the the questions are. It's the same thing with the kids. The parents Mm -hmm. just check off. um, You know, they're fine. They're fine. They're fine. So we've decided to do that because, to your point, I mean, wh- what are you going to do? You're going to chase these kids down. You're going to, mm-hmm. you know, chase them around every classroom and say, "I'm sorry, you didn't fill the form," or "We need to check you now because we, we're not going to do that." Mm-hmm. Um, but I will tell you that the union pushes heavily mm-hmm. on those things, and and I, I can't understand why they would they would be um, so adamant about making sure that everybody's vaccinated again. These are educated people. They've gone to college. To your point earlier, if they actually would sit down and look at the research that's being done, Germany was the was the first one that came out of mm-hmm. Europe and said, "Hey, this isn't working." Right. And uh, if they would actually sit down, these learned, educated people, and read mm-hmm. this, then I think they'd have a different viewpoint on this. What they're taking is what they're being bombarded with with the uh, teachers' association. Uh, the other thing I thought was interesting was I wanted webcams in all the rooms, and it wasn't to watch the teachers. It would simply say, look, if you have a child homesick, mm-hmm. this allows that child to be part of his or her classroom, right? right? They're there with their friends. They're listening to you. They're getting the lesson the way they should. Mm-hmm. And I was told point blank, because we were in the middle of negotiations, that was a non-starter of a cause of problem. Really? If you're not doing anything wrong, what's the issue? Right. Cops can carry, cops have to have those cameras on, but teachers don't. Teachers don't. And, and we're talking about someone that has um, an unbelievable influence on our children behind closed doors. There should absolutely be transparency. That's interesting. You know uh, Brad Dacus from Pacific Justice Institute? I do, yes. Brad and I are good friends too. And and I've been able to get documents from him, letters Mm -hmm. from him to give to our district when I have teachers. uh, When these kids, to your point, when Mm -hmm. they're captured in a room like that, Mm -hmm. they don't have the same free speech that you and I would normally have because those kids are forced being there. Sure. But the kids still uh, have the ability of free speech, and that's, Mm -hmm. that's a constant fight. Right, right. So what, what does it look like? Um, what do you think in terms of the academic environment and COVID and the vaccines? What are, you, what are you feeling like? What are you seeing given your experience on the school board? Obviously, you know, you're, um, you're, you're here in Santa Clarita. You're not representing the entire state of California. But I always think it's interesting to um, see what the finger on the pulse is. And then also just from your from your radio show and, and what you're hearing, what are what are you thinking in terms of how this upcoming academic year is going to look, given all of the bills, given all of the attempts to really push the vaccine narrative? And we now know that there are schools that have engaged in vaccinating children without their parent oh, knowledge yeah. or consent. We actually have a strategic partner. Nicole Pearson of Facts, Law, Truth, Justice, that has three clients, mm-hmm. um, individual separate clients that ha- have vaccine injuries as a result of being vaccinated without their parent knowledge or consent. Do you, oh, yeah. do you see the schools trying to intervene and continue to push this narrative? I, I, I think it's going to be done um, covertly through the teachers and that kind of thing because it's the teachers that are reaching the kids. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying all teachers will do that because I'll tell you that when there was a hint that it was going to be forced, mm-hmm. I got emails and I got teachers calling me saying, don't don't let this happen. Mm-hmm. You need to fight for us. You need to make sure that they don't force this on us. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to see that. Um, parents are ignorant. They don't really know what's going on. They don't understand. I mean, 
we had parents going crazy thinking the all, ki- all the kids were vaccinated at a certain high school because one of those clinic vans went there mm-hmm. that was sent by the county, but we're required to allow them on site. We get federal funds. We get county funds. We're an, em- we're an emergency uh, you know, facility kind of thing, right? That's a really interesting point, um, and I've had this conversation. People almost don't believe it. Like They joke about the white van, right? right. Um, we, we have these jokes about uh, the van pulls up and says, hey, kids, do you want some candy? Well, um, the vaccine bans are real, and exactly what you just said, the state of California is investing a lot of money in their vaccine program, and part of that is funding vans that are going to school sites and vaccinating children. Yeah, but when does it fall back on on parents? You know, this is one of my my things with my Christian parents and and Mm -hmm. non-Christian parents. When are you going to start taking responsibility for teaching your kids the right thing? When are you going to start right. taking responsibility? Have that kid pick up the phone and dial, mm-hmm. dial you when they're trying to get him into one of those vans. Have your kid pick up the phone when the teacher's mm-hmm. browbeating him right. or, or her. Um, there's, there are a lot more. You know, I found out through all of this that there are a lot more conservative teachers mm-hmm. uh, than not out there. And when I get to the schools, every once in a while I get to speak at a school. Mm-hmm. I'll have a dozen kids come up afterward and, and thank me for being a voice for them. They're That's afraid amazing. to have their own voice. So. Mm-hmm. We need to strengthen our kids. We need to make sure that they know who they are, right. what rights they really have, right. and what they're allowed to do. No, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's it's really, really important, especially now, um, going back to your point, too, about parents and making sure that they understand. You know, uh, one of the things that I've done is, as a parent, gone back and reviewed the documents that I'm signing. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody most, reads them. Nobody reads nobody them. Reads Mo- them. Most of the time, you know, you're, you're, you're inundated um, with information, you just signing documents, and what parents don't know is that there are medical release forms, mm-hmm. um, and baked within that the language of those medical release forms, oftentimes gives the um, schools the authority to engage in medical treatments. Yep. And uh, we're recently seeing that some schools are actually baking language in that gives the schools the authority to immunize your children. Yeah, and we, you know, like you, we can't go through every document. We don't have a staff that reads mm-hmm. it and comes back to say, hey, you might be concerned with this. Right. Um, I had one superintendent I served under. She knew what my hot buttons were, so mm-hmm. she would call me and say, here's what's coming up. Mm-hmm. How are you going to deal with this? How do you want me to deal with this kind right. of thing? Um, that's why it's so important, again, that people get out there and, and make sure they're voting for the right people, not somebody who sounds nice, not mm-hmm. somebody who who does great in front of the microphone when they're giving a speech, but somebody who really has some some history of doing the right things in their community. Right. We get these people on on these boards, and all of a sudden, they go sideways mm-hmm. and because uh, they're making tough decisions. They don't want people to feel bad. It's, it's not about feeling bad. Are you making the right decision for all kids, for the majority of the children? And uh, again, I, I, I'm one of those guys. I put it back on the parents. Are you... You know, right. you have children. Mm-hmm. I have four children mm-hmm. when I was running for school board. And people would say, well, I've got kids to feed. I go, okay, I have kids to feed. Well, I have a job. Okay, well, I have a job. Right. All right. I got tired of seeing what was going on at the schools. Right. And the five that were up there weren't doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes you have to sacrifice. You can't go to the things right. you want to go to. I, I You hit the nail on the head, and I talk about this a lot. And in order to make an impact and move the needle and course correct what's happening in this country, people have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. They have to get comfortable with the idea (laughs) that they are going to have to forego certain things. Um, It's in this, this whole um, mentality of going along to get along, like, well, you know, my, my child really wanted to go to that dance or, 
you know, my child really wants to go to that sporting event because they've invested so much of their time and energy getting to this point from an athletic standpoint, right? right. Um, you have to be willing to forego a lot of that in order to course correct, because if we don't do that now, we're going to wake up and find ourselves in a situation where um, our ch- we are just vessels of birth for our children and they are wards of the state. And we are no longer, and, and we're actually edging closer and closer to that oh, yeah. no question than, than people it. even realize. Yeah. Um, we talk about this all the time. You know, I had an interesting, um, an interesting experience. This was years ago. Um, I, my, my child, one of my children was, uh, playing athletics and I needed to get a medical clearance. They wanted an immunization record. I logged into the, the patient portal and I was denied access. So of course I picked up the phone and I contacted the medical provider and said, there must be some type of a mistake. If you guys could just reset my login and password. And the nurse promptly told me, no, 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 no. You are actually not allowed to um, access your child's medical record after the age of 12 in the state of California. This was completely news to me. And I said, well, I'm sorry, how does that make any sense? We're talking about a child that, that's 12 years old. And um, I was told that there is a uh, rule, a law, wow. legislation that has actually passed, and this was years ago, mm-hmm. um, that you couldn't access your child's medical records without their consent, which I found to be quite ironic considering at 12 years old, how can they give me consent because they're not technically an adult, right? Isn't it the other way around? Yeah. How do they sign anything? Well, let, let, let them go buy a car. Right. Go for CCW. Go for, you know, have sign contracts for... Uh, uh, condos and such. Right. And so it's, I mean, there's so much that's happening that people are unaware of. Um, and they, and I, it's re- I really encourage people that, to not just listen to these podcasts, mm-hmm. to get engaged, to find out what's happening at a legislative um, level, find out what's happening um, in the school boards, find out what's happening with elected officials, even in, in your local communities, mm-hmm. understand that what they're doing, understand what they're voting on, understand what they're authoring, um, and speak out, make sure that, you're, that your voice is being heard. It's critically important. I know we have a lot um, in this country, never before in history have we had an environment where people are able to access information like, and, like they do today. I know that's very cliche. We hear about it all the time, mm-hmm. right? Um, but also never before, I think, have we had an environment where you have at your disposal um, rapid fire information, but yet we have, um, it seems like a, a society where people are disengaged, right? It seems almost like a bit of an oxymoron. Now we're seeing it, we're seeing it, t- it take a turn. Yeah, but I, I think what they think they're engaged because of this. Correct, right? yeah. The smartphone. They, smartphone. They're getting information thrown at them. Mm-hmm. You know, my the old joke back before these things were popular was what? You were a victim of the last headline you read, mm-hmm. right? Well, now they're getting a headline every 30 seconds. Right. And they think they know what the truth is. It's funny you should say it because the mantra of my show is mm-hmm. get informed, then get engaged. Some right. of you who go out there and start spewing at the mouth, mm-hmm. then guys like me have to sit here and fix that because right. you're wrong and you're dead wrong. Right. Um, and, you know, I, again, you on the show, I want to go back to, um, you know, people would call the show and uh, they'd be grandparents or whatever and say, mm-hmm. look, I can't see my grandkids if I don't get, you know, vaccinated. Mm-hmm. My daughter won't let me see my kids. And I'd say, okay. I hate to say this to you, there were times when I didn't see my kids for two or three years mm-hmm. because I took a stand on something they were doing and I said, no, I'm mm-hmm. not coming there or I'm not going to be part of this. Mm-hmm. When do you take the stand? Right. Right? Because what else are you going to give up? Mm-hmm. What else are you going to do 
to see those little grandkids or to see your mm -hmm. son or daughter or what have you. And frankly, you said it a minute ago, mm -hmm. you know, when you just become a vessel to produce these kids, you won't see those kids anymore. That's right. That's right. So, so we're all living in this cycle of going along to get along because we, um, we're having something held over our head mm -hmm. uh, in exchange for our compliance. Mm -hmm. And of course, human nature says when you're emotionally connected to something, you're willing to do almost anything, right? But it's, we all need to take a moment of pause and critically think through this, think through what that means, what this compliance means. Mm -hmm. If the government can come in and take away your right to make medical decisions on behalf of your children, if the government can come in and take away the right to um, tell you how your children should be um, educated, if the government can come in and tell you that in order for you to engage in, in any form of commerce in order to, to earn a living, right? right? Which is to me a very basic freedom mm -hmm. to be able to put food on, on, in a, in a, on your table on a roof over your head and provide for your family. Yeah. If the government can come in and say, in order for you to do that, you must complete um, A, B, and C. In this particular case, A, B, and C is that you must be vaccinated and boosted and then and boosted more and more and more. Mm -hmm. Um, if, if the government can come in and do all of this, at what, like, where is the line in the sand? There and, isn't one. We've proved it. Right. Wear the mask for two weeks, mm -hmm. four more weeks, eight more weeks, right. double the mask up, get the shot. Mm -hmm. We've already proved that we're willing to give right. in. We, we're, you know, people get upset with me when I say this, but we're back at that revolutionary time again. Mm -hmm. Recently, LA County was going to put the mask mandate back in place, as you know. Yes. Uh, I told my superintendent, I said, you know, get ready because I'm not wearing one. Mm -hmm. I'm coming into the boardroom. I'm going to sit down. I just right. want to give you a heads up. Mm -hmm. I'm not wearing one because they don't work. And right. I know that freaked them out, but we need to get to that point right. where we're going, not going to happen. Right. Well, and that, you know, I always say it's always interesting to me with regard to the mask. You know, you see the people that um, have it, you know, around like around their chin or just across, across their lips or, mm -hmm. you know, it's they're, they're not wearing it in any way that prevent human disease transmission. And so that, to me, is the most tangible display of someone just simply going along and complying. And if you sit down and you really think about um, everything that, that's, that's happening right now in this country as it relates to COVID, whether it's in the academic environment, whether it's in the political environment, um, the legal environment, if you look at what's going on, none of what's going on actually has anything to do with preventing human disease transmission, right? And what I mean by that is, I mean, let's just dissect one of the bills. So, um, you know, 866, SB 866, which is one that's been, that's being talked about a lot right now. This is the bill that says as young as uh, 15 years old, children will be able to engage in their own medical decisions, consent yeah. to the, to the a vaccine without their parent knowledge or consent. How does that prevent human disease transmission? Someone might say, well, I mean, clearly, Laura, if they're vaccinated, then that's preventing human disease transmission. But, but then you have to say, stop and think about that for a moment. If someone's vaccinated, they can still acquire and transmit the virus. Mm -hmm. We also know that children are not vectors of transmission, right? right. I mean, that's just one example. Right. No, but it's, but it's <clears throat> pure fact that they can't deal with, they can't answer, mm -hmm. they can't respond to you. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it was one of the things I used at the school board. And I kept saying, look... Nobody wants to hear what the CDC has to say because LA County uh, guides us, but we need to start pushing back on LA County and say, show us where these problems are because the right. numbers that you're giving are not the numbers that we're seeing. 
Right. We're here. We're seeing the, these kids. We're seeing these numbers. None of these kids are going to the hospital. Testing right. positive for COVID? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's all around the place, I guess. Right. I probably would test positive for COVID. I haven't got a symptom. I haven't got an anything. Right. When it comes to that, I'm not going mm-hmm. to the hospital. Nobody is. Right. Right. And, and, and they're continuing to push this agenda again. And the agenda actually, in some sense, when you start talking about masking, is actually counter to the concept of, of um, public health and safety. Right, because we now know that masking actually can have some pretty negative and dire consequences mm-hmm. for people. Um, you know, the, either they're not wearing them properly. We know that if you're if you're wearing a mask for long periods of time, that um, you're breathing in your own carbon dioxide, that can have a physiological impact on the body in a negative way. Um, and, I mean, from an educational standpoint, mm-hmm. we're seeing kids who can't read. We're seeing right. kids who have a, having emotional problems and dealing right. with minor things that right. come up in the classroom because they can't see your face. Absolutely, they well, can't see. There was that study that was done that said babies that were born during mm-hmm. the pandemic, um, have, they're now seeing that they have a 20-point drop in IQ. And um, anyone that's in the academic environment or even knows anything about the, the IQ scale, 20 mm-hmm. points is literally uh, the difference between someone potentially who is average to someone who is suffering from a, me- a mental retardation. Wow. And um, I mean, that's a very serious, serious thing. I saw one of the saddest things the other day. Um, I was out at a store and there was a mother and father that both had masks on and their infant, I, the baby couldn't have been more than four months old, what, um, had no mask on. And the mother was going up to the, to the infant and making cooing noises, and you could tell just based on you know in pro- you know being in proximity of her and and the noises that she was making that she was probably smiling and trying to be animated, which is such a vital thing in oh, the yeah. developmental process of a, of an infant. Um, and and the baby had no response. It was staring. This this you know young infant was staring <laughs> at its its mom, his mom, I should say, and um, his mom clearly was trying to engage with him. Mm-hmm. But he was not expressing any response because he couldn't see what she was doing. I, I, I am not, there's people around here who've known me for 20 years. I'm not a conspiracy guy. But the more and more I've done the show and, and the more people I've had on, you know, I go back to the days of, uh, uh, go back to Jim Crow days. You mm-hmm. couldn't educate a black person. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't because they couldn't learn. It was because they knew that if they got educated, they would find a way out of the situation they were in. Of course. We have been dumbing down education for decades. Mm-hmm. We're now to the point where we don't have an exit exam in the state of California. Right. So we don't know where kids are at when mm-hmm. they graduate. Right. I had suggested the kids had to take a, uh, we give them government and history classes, right? Mm-hmm. So what I said, in order for, don't just give them the five points for the classes because they went through it. Mm-hmm. Why don't we have them do the same constitutional test that immigrants have to do? If they can't pass that test, That's they don't get suggestion. the five points. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that got frowned upon. They got poo-pooed. And I said, yeah, I know why. Because nobody wants to teach these kids the reality. Right. So if we can dumb the kids down, if we can dumb down, I mean, think about it, Hitler, Stalin. Mm-hmm. These guys knew if they got the youth, they got the country. Of course. So if we dumb these kids down, now you have a group of kids that are totally dependent on who? Mm-hmm. Not mom, not the their government. God, but the government. That's right. To get their check, to get their job, to get their mm-hmm. living quarters, because they don't know how to do it. Right. You have kids today don't even know how to sign a check. They don't know how to log into uh, mm-hmm. you know, things that they're just not, if it's not right there on the phone mm-hmm. with an app, they don't know what to do. No, I, I agree. I was saying in a previous podcast that I'm reading, um, if you can keep it by Eric Metaxas. Yeah. I, I don't know why I struggle with that last name, but I highly encourage anyone to to read this book. And actually, 
I feel like that might be something that should be required reading in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm certainly making my children read it. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really so sad in this country that if you ask the average citizen probably under the age of 30 um, about the founding of the, the principles of this country and the importance of understanding the Constitution and what makes this republic so incredible, mm-hmm. um, I, don't th- I think you would be very, very hard-pressed to find anyone under the age of 30 that really understood um, the necessity of preserving the Constitution in its truest form. Um, and well, I think they don't even know what it is. Look at right. Um, AOC came out and said, "What we're going to Congress needs to get together and get rid of SCOTUS." Oh, it's that easy. Have you read the Constitution? Okay. Number two is I did I did uh, I did a, an event with the kids over at one of the local high schools. Mm-hmm. And the majority of the kids there want to get rid of the Constitution. Now, I have a, I have a government wow. teacher and a history teacher. And the reason was it doesn't reflect us today. And I said this in that auditorium with the government teacher and the history That's teacher. That's stunning. I said, your government teacher and your history teacher have failed you tremendously. Yes. It is the only Constitution on the planet that you, the people, can mm-hmm. change. That's right. Do you not know how to change it? These people just talked about amendments a few minutes ago. Do you not know what an amendment is? Mm-hmm. An amendment is when you, the people, decide this is outdated, this particular law needs to be changed, mm-hmm. or this constitutional item needs to be changed. Right. You get to do that when you get off your butts and vote. Mm-hmm. Not when you get off your butts and protest, but when you actually go to the voting booth and vote for the people that will make the changes. That's right. But you haven't been taught that, and that's sad. It's very sad. Yeah. It's, it's more than made sad. made a lot of friends that it's, day. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. But it's more than sad. It's, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. It's deliberate, though. That's it's the deliberate, that, yeah. and it's and it's terrifying, and it's a conversation that I have, um, probably much to the chagrin of my family, but almost every day in my household, um, <laughs> because it's to me, it's absolutely terrifying, mm-hmm. uh, and we are dangerously, dangerously close in this country to losing um, what this country was founded on, and you know, I was, I, I say all the time, can you imagine living in a world where you wake up one day and you're told that you cannot have, you're not allowed by the government standards, you're not allowed to have children. Oh, it happened in China, right? I was just going to say. Right. And what did they do with the, you know, you couldn't have the wrong that. children. Because that's not fictitional. No. Right. That is, that is but a. that'll never happen in this country. Don't you know that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that'll never happen in this country, except uh, we'll be locked down. Yeah. We'll be denied the right to make medical decisions on behalf of our children. We'll be denied the right to send our children to school unless we engage with whatever program they're, they're feeding us. I took biology what, in the 70s. That's when I went to high school, mm-hmm. okay, late 70s. And I learned that viruses don't do well in the sun, mm-hmm. right? That's why you, you, you went out on the beach and you got in the sun and you got... And what happened? During a lockdown, during the summertime, you couldn't go on the beach. They closed the beaches. They closed the hiking trails. Right. They closed the parks. You could go out in the water. You could, right. right. And, and you're saying, wait a minute. So everything you taught me is wrong? Mm-hmm. Every single thing you taught me is wrong. Right. So I, I think we're, we're at that point. You know, I grew up in Boston. I grew up in the north end of Boston. I grew up mm-hmm. two and a half blocks from the old North Church. I always joke that I'm the only guy you probably know that got thrown off the USS Constitution okay, <laughs> as, a, as a kid. And I grew up around all that history, and I really didn't get it right away. Yeah. And I thought I knew a lot about the Constitution and what have you. And then I took this thing, uh, are you familiar with uh, Rick Green and Patriot Academy? I'm not. So I became a constitutional coach. I took the class because I said, ah, psh, I'll breeze through this and I'll go ahead and I be able to, to teach this. it. Wow. All right. Oh, it's fantastic. <clears throat> and I've been, I've been, I've been, they started off with maybe 800 of us. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're now up to about 30,000 coaches across the country. They're giving classes every week. 
Um, and what it does is it breaks down what our founding fathers saw, what each part of that constitution, why it was laid out, how it was laid out, um, how when they, like you've heard of the Convention of States. Oh, absolutely. Okay, that was a last minute deal. They were ready to sign this thing. And one of them runs in and says, wait a minute, wait a minute. If the federal government gets too big, how are we going to pull them back? Mm-hmm. Now think about that, right? right? And that's when they came up with the Convention of States, is mm-hmm. that the Supreme Court couldn't get involved, federal government couldn't be involved, right. but if they had those states together, that would make mm-hmm. make it happen. Well, I didn't know about that. I didn't know how that came about. When, when you don't understand it, you start to read the letters of the founding fathers going back and forth. You know, these bunch of deists, mm-hmm. supposed deists, had a great respect for Christianity, had a great mm-hmm. respect for Christian principles. Um, Benjamin Franklin, the least uh, uh, religious one. He was the one after three days, I think it was, a, a, not three, I'm sorry, three weeks of fighting and arguing, he finally said, we forgot how we got here. We forgot right. the God that got us here, mm-hmm. and we're giving him no time, no know anything, right. and they went in a prayer for three days, yeah, and then they flew through this. Yeah, I mean, it's these are these are really important points that should be embedded in all of the academic environment. Yeah, well, the Jefferson, um, we separates the church and state. He's the guy, right? Mm-hmm. I I suggest that he is the first documented case of Alzheimer's or dementia that we have on record, because here is a man that every Sunday he took a federal building and turned it into a church. They had church services. <laughs> right. They had over 2,000 people show up. Right. The military bands, they played the hymns. Mm-hmm. So for a man that wanted solid separation between church and state, he d- either didn't understand the English language right. or he had some real mental issues. Yeah. And, and I think this is fascinating, and this is the kind of information we should be teaching. And, right. and I remember this is the kind of information we were learning when I was, when I was in school. Yep. And... So going back to that that question at the beginning of, of our conversation was, how long has this been happening? And I think we've kind of brought it full circle, right? How Decades. long? Decades. And I think you're right. I think it has been. Um, but COVID has was the mechanism that put the, the foot on the gas pedal yeah. and, um, and allowed this country, and, and in particular, the academic environment to... I think leaps and bounds go down a path that um, is incredibly caustic and destructive for this country. And now, you know, you may have had maybe a generation before this where they maybe didn't get uh, presented the principles that they should have in terms mm-hmm. of the, the foundations of freedom and, and, and why this country was, was formed. Now you have a generation of children that will not only not understand why this country was formed, what's so incredible, how this country, in my opinion, is the most equitable, mm-hmm. the most opportunity-giving place that has ever existed yep. uh, in human history. So you, you, you're talking about a generation that will not understand any of these principles, but on top of it, believe that um, they will be probably more racist than we've ever seen um, because we will have created an environment where children uh, believe based on their skin color, their, their value in this world, right? Whether if, if they're a black student, they're being told that they are oppressed, that they are, that they are not able to accomplish things in society. Um, If you're a white student, you're told that you're an oppressor, right? Um, and believe that you can you can you can change your gender at any time. 
um, believe we have to wipe out biology, don't we? Believe <laughs> have children have have more of an intimate trusting relationship with their teachers than their parents yeah. because there there's an attack on the on the nuclear family. And also what I mean by that is if you have an adult, you have a teacher that is uh, giving sex advice and discussing um, sexual content with a five-year-old, mm -hmm. they're going to have more of a um, embedded relationship with that adult yep. than they would um, with than their their family. Oftentimes, we're seeing examples of how children are being told not to tell their parents. Yeah. Right? That's very common. Yeah, and that that is so toxic. So, um, well, the teacher becomes, you know, this, look, parents today, you know, you probably heard this a million times. How much time do you really think they spend with their kids? Really spend with their right. kids. Yet they're in class now in elementary school. They're with that one teacher all day long. That's right. their buddy. That's their sure. friend. That's their confidant, if you would. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, when they start to get in junior high school and high school, junior high school is really tough on the kids because they're making that change. They're mm -hmm. starting to go into that change. They want to be liked. They want to, they, you know, mm -hmm. they want to be popular, if you would. And all of a sudden, they're with these kids all day long. Mm -hmm. Those friends are their family. That teacher mm -hmm. that they see is their family. Absolutely. Um, they come home, and mom and dad are kind of, somebody's coming home late from work, and mm -hmm. mom's in a rush to get dinner on the table or ordering dinner mm -hmm. from somewhere. Where's the quality time that family spent together? Uh, let me ask you this question, because obviously you're, you are someone that's very heavily in the mainstream school environment. There's a big push right now, and we've had many conversations. I even did a podcast with Matt Boudreau, who um, is, is instrumental in helping to um, establish pathways for parents to go into homeschooling. What are your thoughts on, on this big push um, to have more kids homeschooled, pull kids out of the mainstream? I like, I'll tell you, I like, first of all, my youngest daughter was homeschooled by us halfway mm -hmm. through high school. Uh, and I was running for office when it happened. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, you homeschool your daughter. I said, yeah, because the system failed my daughter. Mm -hmm. My first job is as a parent. I have to make sure right. my child's safe and taken care of and learning. Mm -hmm. Well, the school didn't do it, so we did it. I think that uh, there are co-ops popping up uh, mm -hmm. from churches and other groups. Mm -hmm. I personally believe that's a better way to go than straight homeschooling. Okay. Because when we were homeschooling, there were issues that my wife was not comfortable teaching, and I wasn't either. Mm -hmm. So we were able to get her involved with another group so that she had science class with a bunch of sure. kids, uh, but but the science class that we knew what was being taught in. Right. There, right? So she was able to get through all right. of that, and and she's doing well today. She, she went to college for nursing, so it didn't, it didn't hurt her at all. Um, I worry about homeschooling if it's just a one-on-one -on -one parent thing because mm -hmm. there's a lot of parents that are just doing it because they don't want their kids right. um, exposed to all the stuff going on in mm -hmm. school. Is that child still getting the education they need? Mm -hmm. Not disparaging parents, though. I mean, they, right. some just don't know mm -hmm. uh, how to do it. So I like the co-op idea. I, I, I think that if your school is way out of line, yeah, then you do the homeschooling right. thing. Right. And those kids do great. Sure. I started the homeschooling program here <laughs> in, in our district, and they thought I was nuts. And uh -huh. I said, look... There was a homeschooling co-op. There uh -huh. were 2,000 kids in it. They were disbanding. Mm -hmm. I said, these kids have no place to go now. Mm -hmm. If we start a homeschooling program, um, they'll, give, they'll get a diploma from our schools. They'll get you know, a good education. Parents mm -hmm. will feel like they're involved. This is a win-win all the way around. Right, right. Well, the first pass at it, they came out and said, okay, so we're going to have a meeting with the parents, and we're going to tell them how we're going to do this. And I mm -hmm. said, and you won't get one parent. Yeah. Right? You go to the parents and say, hey, we're thinking about starting this program. What would you like to see happen? Right. What would make you comfortable bringing your child 
uh, into the school. I think it's every 21 days they have to show up for a couple of hours. Right, right. But, um, and that became a major success almost overnight. We had a waiting list to get in there. Yeah. Uh, the only thing we couldn't provide was sports, and I think they were working on that, but then COVID yeah. hit. Well, and I think now there's so many parents. Yep that are electing to um, homeschool their kids. And I think the, the reason I asked that question is, you know, I was, I was asked by a parent, what can I do? What can I do? And they were very desperate. And I said, look, at the end of the day, we all have one tool that's, I think, fairly powerful. Pull your kids out of the mainstream yeah, school. I agree. And it sounds very simple, but it, but it is a simple solution and it's very powerful yep. at the same time. Um, so with that, um, I just want to say thank you so much for what you're doing, um, for, for being one person in which seems, what feels like probably a sea of, of people in the, in the academic environment yeah. that are, are, you know, you're doing the thing that everyone should be doing. You're kind of going, you know, you're salmon swimming upstream. <laughs> it probably feels like, um, so I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing. How can people follow what you're doing? How can they find out about the radio show? Well, the radio show's easy. It's just joemessina.com. I made it as simple as I could. <laughs> um, and the uh, other place they can find out as far as the school board goes, it's mm-hmm. joeforheart.com, the number four, joe4hart.com. Mm-hmm. But if you reach out to me at Joe Messina, look, I've helped four people now run for office. Three of them have won. And it's, it's, it's not the big thing. It's not unobtainable. Mm-hmm. There is a way to do it. It doesn't have to just bury you. There is a way to do it, and you can win. Yeah. Uh, and, and I won, um, and I've been able to maintain, and I think that they could do the same thing. People want you to see that you're doing mm-hmm. what's right for their kids, ultimately. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. From all of us at The Unity Project, thank you for listening to today's podcast. We hope to continue producing content that amplifies voices, strategies, and resources. Please keep in mind that The Unity Project is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that relies on the contributions of our generous supporters to fuel the work we do in this movement. If you value our efforts, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution today by visiting our website at www.unityproject.com and clicking the donate button. We very much appreciate your continued support and confidence, without which our work wouldn't be possible.